Stay tuned as I share some very important emergency tips when preparing for a natural or man-made disaster. This one is hot, especially for hurricane season. Hey everybody, it's Nancy Mae, doing your best with elder care success. And yahoo! Welcome to Fall Tips, Tricks, and Yes Treats. Well, here's what we're doing this season. We are actually taking the idea of summer shorts and moving it into the fall, where we're giving you short episodes of tips, tricks, and treats and ideas for taking care of mom and dad or somebody you love. So it's just a little easier on you, on them, and on everybody's heart. So stay tuned and giddy up. It's a season of fall tips, tricks, and treats. Yahoo! Hey, everybody, this is Nancy May and doing your best with elder care success. And this is a quick episode designed to be sort of a PSA. We here in Florida, this is my new home state as of about a year ago, are getting ready for a hurricane that's about to hit. It's a big one. And we're watching the tracks as they, you know, <laughs> well, literally by the minute almost. However, because of this, I thought it would be important to let everybody know or provide a reminder of what to do in case of an emergency. Now we're talking natural disaster, or it could be even a man-made disaster emergency. But these are a few things that you should all consider and plan for well in advance before a disaster or some sort of event is about to happen. First of all, I have to let you know that EMTs are not required to get to you at any point in time if their life could be at risk. Now, this sounds horrific because we rely on these folks, the EMTs, the paramedics, and the emergency supports team that's out there in our communities. But honestly, if their life is lost, they're not able to help anybody else. So unfortunately, the potential threat of life or loss of life with of one versus many that they could help is how things are somewhat considered. That's to keep in mind. And, and please understand that if your loved one is in a care facility, here are a few tips that you might want to consider. And even if they're not, we'll, we'll go through the, the home care as well. In a care facility, ask if they have emergency backup generators and how long they will last. Now, every facility is required by law to have one, and each state has a certain set of regulations around each backup system. However, they don't always make sure that they're operating and running effectively or efficiently. So double check on that. Ask where the staff will be during the emergency. Some facilities require staff to be there. If they're there in the day shift, then they are required to be there in the evening shift. That doesn't mean that they will be there. Please understand, this is key. If a staff member is concerned about their family, they're not concerned about yours, period. Understand the evacuation plans of the care facility. Do they even have a plan in place? Ask what it is. What are they going to do to make sure that your loved one, your mom, your dad, a spouse is actually moved safely to a new location? What happens with staff members when you get there? Do they have enough people to help? These are so important. If evacuating, what kind of medical support do they have beyond the aides, the care staff, everybody else? Are there doctors there? Are there nurses there? Are there trained emergency relief people that will be in the facility. That may not be the case, but we don't know. Better to ask than to assume, well, you know what happens when you do that. Besides that, if a parent or loved one is in care facility and you're close by, consider spending the time with them. Don't leave them there on their own. 
think about what happened during the time of COVID. Now, that time is is just behind us, but it's too close to remember. And And the last thing you want is to have a frightened parent or somebody with dementia or any kind of other illness or frailty alone in their room or even with another person in the room if they're sharing a room and unable to help themselves. That is how accidents happen, breaks, falls. And if that happens, guess what? An emergency team can't get to you. We're going to have a bigger issue. If you're able to stay there and your family is safe as well, actually consider bringing your family along. Everybody can camp out in mom and dad's room, bring blankets, bring pillows, bring sleeping bags. Why not? And you can always grab a chair out of the hallway. And as long as you're confident that your your parent, a spouse, a loved one is safe and comfortable and know that you're safe, you'll be in better shape. Hospitals. Now, if somebody's in a hospital, that's a whole nother situation. Hopefully everything will be taken care of and they will be safe. However, Storms do impact hospitals and other medical related facilities too. Not to scare anybody, but if you want a real freak out story, read a book called Five Days at Memorial. This is what happened at Memorial Hospital down in Louisiana after the aftermath of Hurricane Katrina. It's it's an eye-opening experience. It's a true story, and you'll you'll get a better understanding of what happens in a healthcare or hospital facility when, in fact, the emergency team, community team, cannot get to them. Understand that they also have an emergency backup system. They are required by law, but depending upon how that system is working and where the floods are, that can go out too. Also, it's important to understand that they actually have a pecking order and how to save lives. Now, this is not necessarily well known throughout our society, but an older person who is closer towards the end of their life and extremely frail will not get the care that somebody who's younger and can heal more quickly. Same thing will be of somebody who's older or could heal quickly over somebody who is older and hanging on by a thread. They will, I don't say they'll let them go, but read the book. You'll get more understanding of what go, what's going on. If you can, you again, your family is safe. Make sure that you are there at the hospital with them. Again, because staff members will often be at home with their own family. Now, we're not talking about doctors and nurses, although that may be the case, but they do have aides and CNAs and others in the hospital to help with transfer and, and other things. If you are there, you are guaranteed to make sure that your loved one will be safe and getting up and going to the bathroom or if they need help or if they're in pain, whatever the case may be, it's your eyes, ears and hands on on deck. And it's important to do, at least in my opinion. Now, if mom and dad are at home and you are, again, close by and even if you can't, you're not and you can get there, make sure that you are there with them during the storm of the incident. If you cannot be there during the storm or the incident, make sure or hire your aides to be there with their family and make an event of it. Not so much a panic event, but make a an event of safety and care for everybody so that they don't have to worry about their family and you don't have to worry about yours. Prepare as far in advance as you can. Now, this is kind of obvious. That said, not everybody is doing it. It's kind of interesting to watch around here. Yes, you need bread and milk and other things, but and you need to fuel up the car. 
But think about other things that are important to make sure that safety is involved, especially if you've got somebody who is on some kind of medical device that requires electricity or some sort of power. If it's possible for those devices to be run without power more manually, call the medical supplier that provided that particular device and see if it can be swapped out for something that is manual at least for a short period of time. If not, get a backup generator, make sure there's enough fuel, and learn how to operate it safely, please. That is a key. You do not use a generator inside a house, underneath an awning, or in any semi-partial closure like a, like a back lanai. Fill tubs with water for flushing and cleaning. If the water is standing, which obviously will be in a tub, make sure there's a little bit of bleach to keep it safe and not toxic. It's not drinking water. It's used for cleaning, for bathing, whatever you might need, but flushing toilets, <laughs> uh, washing pots and pans, whatever you might be using. But it's a, just a backup support to make sure that you've got that extra water if needed over a longer period of time. Tape and block windows. Now, this is a big one. People sort of forget that even high-impact windows, I would tape and, and make sure that they're blocked and that if if a wind pushes them and they do break or a tree branch comes through, at least you don't worry about the shattering of the glass as much as you might with some window that's unprotected. If you have shades, pull the shades. You can tape those down, close the, close the curtains around them. Anything to stop a shattering or an impact of glass going into a home that could be a hazard. You can also take blocks of wood or, or big sheets of wood and put them up, which is a lot more difficult for many people to do, but just taping them in crisscrosses is a way to do so. If you have a bed or any other kind of chair or place that, that you or, or mom and dad sit that's close to a window, move those things away from the window. Beds are heavy, but make sure you move it away from a window so when they are sleeping that there's no concern about wind damage coming through that window, shattering glass, them getting hurt in any way, shape, or form. Also, make sure there's enough water in the house. Figure about five days or more for a power outage. It's better to have it than not, and water will stay safe for a certain period of time I think it's a couple of months in a plastic jar, but look and see if there's an expiration date on those two. Actually, when you get those, especially those big jugs, put a date on it and make sure that you're able to rotate them. We had big, up in Connecticut, we had these big carboys of water that you could buy, plastic carboys, and we put the date on them and had them in our garage. And after, I think it was probably about after a year or so, we just used it for, for other things other than drinking. Make sure all medications are filled and that you have enough for at least a week, maybe two, so that you're not panicked and mom and dad are not without the medication that they need. Or even better yet, in case the prescription or the pharmacy is not able to get their supplies to get them to you. Clothing. Now, this is something most people don't think about, but clothing, make sure it's clean. You have enough clean clothes for an extended period of time. Yeah, you can wear them once or twice if need be. But if you've got soil clothes with excrement or anything else that comes through on them, not intentionally, I understand that can be a health concern both for you and for them. Also make sure you have enough incontinent supplies in place. This is also important. They will... <laughs> especially if, if they're up on, if they're not on the ground or if they're on the ground and in a garage or stored and water comes in, 
those items will be ruined and destroyed and you won't be able to use them again. Keep them up off the ground if stored in the garage or in a basement. That's also important. But in cotton supplies, if you haven't ordered them now, please get, oh, you know, I'd say get at least, make sure you have at least a a week or two extra supplies as a backup. Bathing water, if if you don't have tubs and you're not able to fill them with water, then get bath wipes. I'll put a link in the show notes for that. Those will be good for a variety of things. You can use baby wipes for your hands and your face and things like that, but they're actually bath wipes for the whole body, which will help you. And it will help mom and dad too. And it'll keep keep everybody clean and, and feeling better about themselves. The standard equipment, flashlights, candles, I, I would avoid at all costs because they can cause accidents as well, but flashlights, batteries, everything you need is there. Another thing that you might not think about is a gate belt. Now, there there's a gate belt that looks kind of like a, a four-inch piece of mesh that's that you put around somebody's waist to help them. But I would recommend getting one that is thicker and actually has extra handles on the side. Again, I will put a link in the show notes for some suggestions on those. The reason why I say a gate belt is when somebody is disoriented and there's a storm and there's a high level of anxiety for them and you, accidents happen. And we want to avoid them at all costs. The key here is to make sure that nobody falls or gets hurt. And the easiest way to grip onto a gate belt is to get one that's really got the extra supports on the side that you can grab hold of versus one of these ones that is sort of a four inch webbed belt that goes around somebody's waist, which you'll get in the hospital. But if you grip on those really hard and it it goes up to somebody's arms instead of keeping around their waist, that can cause other bruises and damage. And if on too tight, I would worry about maybe bruised ribs or cracked ribs that could happen along the way. So like I said, a gate belt is excellent to have. And some of them are comfortable enough to even wear at night. So you can use that, especially during a storm, actually probably only during a storm. I wouldn't do that otherwise, where if somebody's getting up out of bed in the dark and you're having a hard problem seeing, you can grab hold of a gate belt and just give them a little extra support. And again, I'll put a link to some gate belts in the show notes. Now, sleeping. If you possibly can at all, sleep in the same room as your loved one, whether it's on the floor, in a chair, just to be there to relieve their anxiety and keep you a little bit more comfortable too. That way you know what's going on, especially in a storm. I mean, really, we're talking about storm incidences only or some kind of natural disaster going on. If you do not have bed rails, there are these things called, well, if you've got kids, you know what bed rails are or had kids. Get baby rails that you can put up on the side of the the bed. They're soft and they're not particularly unattractive. So they don't have to worry about the sort of sense of what this is. And they're easy to get down, but it will help deter somebody from getting out of bed without you knowing about it. A bedside commode is an excellent idea as well. It may not be something you have there all the time. However, having a bedside commode will make your life and their life a lot easier as far as transferring, like walking from a bed to a bathroom, especially in the dark and when there's wind and there's noise and there's there's a sense of agitation going on. It'll also help prevent accidents if set up properly. Food, we kind of know about that, but we rely on electrical equipment or gas equipment for cooking. If you don't have a gas stove and you've got a generator, you can get these. They're not hot plates, but they are, well, they're sort of like a hot plate. Induction hot plates is what I'll call them. And I know IKEA has them, but they're, you can just plug it into a a generator 
and voila, you have an electric stovetop. Other things to consider is foods that don't require cooking. Peanut butter and jelly, you've got canned foods, you've got tuna fish, you've got a whole bunch of things that you can do. Be creative and have fun with that one because, yeah, you know, you're going to get hungry, (laughs) right? Entertainment. So I'm going through this really quickly, I understand, but I don't think we think about entertainment during a storm and having books to read, read aloud, storytelling, flashlights are going to be important, especially if you're reading a story out loud, games that you can both play and keep calm. Jenga is a fun one, a stacking game. You can do that. You can paint the Jenga blocks and do all sorts of things with them. Checkers, Chinese checkers, keep it simple, keep it easy and have some fun with it. Oh, and don't forget storytelling. Forget maybe not ghost stories, but (laughs) storytelling. If you're at home, again, understand that you are going to want to know about emergency evacuation procedures in your area. If the person you're taking care of is frail, even if they're not frail, make sure that they are listed with your emergency emergency management department in your town or community as somebody who will need help evacuating. They will be placed on a list. They will be checked on if need be, if emergency evacuation procedures are required or requested in the area. Know where your EMTs are just in case you need to get there and learn and refresh your first, your basic first aid skills. Because, you know, we probably all learned this in Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and, and other places camping, yet it's real easy to get rusty on that. And when you need them at last, sort of a last minute resource, make sure that you know how to deal with cuts and sprains and, and head injuries or falls. And yes, even heart attacks, understand CPR, what to do if somebody is delirious. And if you haven't already taken a basic first aid course, put it on your list to do so, get a refresher. I would highly recommend if you're actively taking care of somebody, do a refresher once every year, at the very least once every two years, because things do change and we're not doing this type of care in an emergency first aid situation all the time. So encouraging that muscle memory so that you know what to do in case of an emergency just kicks in naturally. And last thing, don't wait. Stay calm, know what your procedures are, understand what's going on, monitor the storm tracking, don't panic, take a deep breath, hang tight, and everything that you have prepared for will work out well in the end. And If you haven't already gotten one, I highly recommend getting the book called How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. A lot of these things will be in that book. You can also get a free file of life at howtosurvive911.com. This is something you will also, forgot to mention that early on, this is something you will also want. Make sure you have a file of life updated and with you at all times, and with the person that you're taking care of. That's it. Stay safe, stay well, and we'll see you on the other side of the storm. Bye-bye. This show is sponsored by Caremanity, the publishers of How to Survive 911 Medical Emergencies, a step-by-step guide before, during, and after. For your own personalized free file of life, go to www.howtosurvive911.com. 
All trademarks, brands, and comments are not intended to be substitutes for medical, financial, or legal advice. Please consult a medical, legal, or financial professional for issues relevant to your own personal situation. This show is produced by Caremanity LLC. All rights reserved. Copyright Caremanity LLC.